right. Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody doing okay? I'm going to need to move a few things around as I get set. I, I am a uh, mover when I talk. Uh, I also talk to myself a lot. So if you ever see me outside in downtown, I work uh, the school where I work is just, just across the way, so sometimes I walk around downtown. If you ever see me walking, and I'm, my lips are moving, my hands are going, but nobody's next to me, uh, I'm okay. <laughs> All right? Don't call anyone. Uh, don't do anything like that on me, if you would. So uh, my name is Brian Hatcher, and I actually had the pleasure of being here uh, several months ago in February. And so when you're a free agent in the preaching world, uh, the biggest thing you can get is a callback. So... <laughs> I'm glad to be back here with you. I was actually supposed to be here this Sunday, next Sunday, and the next, do a three-week uh, sermon series for you. I've uh, been uh, friends with Chris Barnhill for several years. Uh, he's not here this morning, so I can say whatever I want about him. Uh, but no, I, I, did, I, love, I love Chris and all of that, so he invited me to be here. And I'm not going to be here next Sunday because we'll be moving our middle son into college. So we actually have three boys, my wife and I. Uh, Jacqueline. Uh, the three boys are 21, 18, and 15. Uh, and so we're excited to see that. Uh, you could say that we see the empty nest uh, apex of life there in the horizon for us uh, as our youngest uh, is coming up. So uh, I spent uh, about 20 years or so or more as a pastor uh, in churches, which meant when I met people, uh, new people in my life, and they asked me what I did for a living, uh, I made them feel uncomfortable as soon as I share with them what my, my job was. Uh, in about a year, a little over a year ago, actually, I transitioned, the Lord opened a door for me, and I am now uh, the administrative principal of Franklin Classical School. So instead of making someone uncomfortable when I meet them, now I just scare them uh, when I tell them what I do as a principal. And so uh, it's exciting. I love, I, I love what I get to do and how the Lord uh, uses me in that. And we're going to talk about a part of that uh, called living a life of purpose. And so I want to ask you a question. Uh, why are you here? Some of you are wondering, I'm, ex I'm asking myself the same question right now. But why did you get out of bed this morning? Why did you do that? Now, I, I would love to believe that you saw an announcement that said that I was going to be here this morning and you said I have to be there uh, to see him. I remember him back in February. It was one of the most glorious sermons I ever heard in my life. Therefore, I've got to be back this morning. But I'm not going to fool myself into thinking that's actually what went on. So my question for you this morning is, why are you here? Not necessarily in this room right now, but why are you on this planet? Why are you in this town? Why do you live and exist in this world right now? That's what we call purpose. Purpose is a fascinating thing. In fact, in a general sense, those people who live and exist uh, with a sense of purpose are healthier, they sleep better, uh, they have better relationships, they interact and engage with the world around them in a better sense, a calmer sense, um, all sorts of things. In fact, those who live with a sense of purpose in general are less lonely they're more productive in the world they are happier so why do so many people live without purpose 
But in order to walk through this this morning, in fact, um, I want to give us a definition of, of purpose. And I'm not going to necessarily say that this is the, the one. I think if you got out there and you looked on online, if you read the books, it's a, it's a little bit like the term leadership. Everybody has their own definition for purpose. But for the sake of us this morning, I want to share with you this definition. Purpose is the narrative surrounding and supporting how and why you accomplish living each day. Let me say it again. Purpose is the narrative surrounding and supporting how and why you accomplish living each day. It's why you get out of bed. It's how you live your life. It's what you do with those things. It's the mentality uh, in the perspective with which you approach everything that you experience in life. It's the thing that drives you. In, um, so what is your purpose? I won't go so far as to ask for a show of hands on that, but uh, I would tell you, it, it, for me, and uh, I won't tell you how, how old I am necessarily, but I just had a, a birthday. I'm, uh, I'm definitely into the middle age category. Uh, you might tell I'm starting to get the gray hairs. I, I loved and appreciated looking around the room when they talked about uh, the gray-haired and the, the very nice ladies who, who smiled lovingly at their husbands, and one of them even rubbed his head, um, which was missing uh, some of that hair. I'm thankful that the Lord, is, I think, is not going to let me, I, I feel like I should maybe say a prayer for that, but uh, not going to let my hair come out because he gave me a really ugly bald head. Uh, on that, if you, if you ever get close, I have a cone, kind of a ridge in the middle and a flat spot on the back. My mom said that's where she dropped me as a child. And um, my, my concern is, is that I love my mom very much, but it's entirely possible that it's true. Uh, so, uh, but we talk about living with purpose. It's a narrative surrounding and supporting why we, we go through life each day. And I think the Apostle Paul gives us a verse uh, that really defines and accomplishes that. We're going to talk about uh, the first part of it this morning. Uh, in a couple weeks when I'm back, we'll, we'll look again at uh, the, the bigger picture of it all. And so I want to read this verse for you or with you. It's up on the screen. This is Romans 12, 1 through 2. A lot of us will, will pretty automatically know this. Maybe we've heard it in the past. Maybe we've memorized it. We've looked at it. But we're going to walk through this this morning. Uh, and it, Paul writes this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, and, I, and let me tell you why the, the because of is in brackets. Uh, there, the original language, the word, the transitionary term or word that is there can be translated several different ways. Some of your translations will say because of, some of them will say by, uh, and so forth. But I wanted it in brackets just to make sure, understand that the because of is a way to understand that verse. And the translation I had didn't do that. So uh, that was a whole lot of explanation for that, but hopefully you get it. Uh, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, because of the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So what's the first thing uh, we begin to understand out of these verses? I want to look at uh, we're going to start with the word therefore. So if you're, if you're a student of the Bible, if you study, you spend time in it, and you, and you come across in a verse that it, it has the word therefore in it, that's a, that's a marker, that's an indicator that what is about to be said is on account of 
what was just said. All right? So what is therefore referred to in Romans 12? Well, it actually refers to, this is maybe the largest therefore in the Bible. Uh, therefore, in Romans 12, 1, refers to Romans chapters 1 through 11. The entirety of the first part of the letter uh, to the church in Rome. And what Paul is saying here is that God is the author of purpose. Now, Paul wrote to the church in Rome. By the way, a little b biblical question for you. Did Paul found, did Paul start the church in Rome? This is yes, this is no. Did Paul start the church in Rome? I have one head shaking back there. That, that's good. We don't know. Actually, Paul did not. So who, uh, the one who was shaking no back there, Paul did not start the church in Rome. Uh, Paul was going to Rome. Uh, this is in the history, in the, in the world there, Paul was determined to go to Rome because he wanted to move the base of operations for his life, his, his missionary journeys and his tent making business to Rome in order to go to Spain. This actually says this in the, in the last chapter of Romans. He talks about this. That's his whole goal in this. Uh, so he writes to them and he lays out uh, the gospel in long form, chapters 1 through 11, and he talks about, uh, therefore, because of God's mercy. He says it's all of that's Romans 1 through 11, and what that tells us is God is the author of purpose. Now, there's, there are several places in the Bible that, that reaffirm this or build on this. Uh, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, uh, more than once we are referred to as the clay, and God is called the potter. Now, if you ever watched something like uh, a, a potter making, uh, taking a lump of clay, putting it on the wheel and designing the shape, you know that the potter has complete and full control of what that comes out as. You know, and most of us just kind of pray in our own mind that when God's shaping us on the potter's wheel, that he doesn't realize he needs to smash the whole thing down and start over, right? So some of us are going, you know what, I've had that moment in my life where God just kind of collapsed the side down and started rebuilding from the get-go. But that's the, the prerogative of the potter, is to create and give purpose to whatever it is that's being used. In Romans 9, again, it, uh, uh, Paul refers to the potter and the clay, again, in terms of us. In 1 Corinthians uh, 12, it's called uh, the body with many parts. And this is, this is, I think, one of the challenging things is, you know what? How many of you would agree if everybody in the world just acted like you, everything would be much better? Can you agree with that? Okay. Have you spent time with yourself? Right? Because that's, that's kind of, in our reality, we kind of think, you know what, if everybody was just like me, then nothing would be wrong in the world. But what a horrible world that would be. I know myself. I deal with myself a lot. I don't want everybody in the world to be like me. That wouldn't be any fun at all. I mean, we'd have a wonderful beard, all of us, everything. But it wouldn't be that great of a world if everybody was exactly the same. So God is the author of purpose. He shapes and makes us, and this is what we find out through 1 through 11, is God created us, God made us. We find out that there was a, 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 a sin entered the world and flawed everything. It, it messed everything up. And what did God do in response to sin coming into the world? God would not withhold his own son from us. He did not withhold his own son 
as payment for that sin, the marred across the entire world. God would not, would not withhold his greatest, cherished, I want to say possession, but that seems so weird to call it that, but, it's, but he wouldn't, his beloved son. So think about that. Why, does, why is God the author of purpose? Well, God is the author of our purpose because God did everything he possibly could to purchase us from sin. Let that sink in for a moment. God wouldn't withhold his own son. He laid down the life of his son Jesus on the cross as payment for our sin so that we could be in relationship with him because sin separated us from that. You know, I got saved at 15 years old. And it was a, a, a dramatic kind of thing and in the way that I ended up invited to church in that time, I ended up at a lock-in where, as I would describe it, God invaded my space invaded my life said this is it this is what you've looked for this is this is what the the emptiness of, of purpose and life that you've had I fill the void and only I can fill the void that you have and he changed my life but it would be years for me learning and growing as a believer that I begin to realize that God is really the author of my purpose not me see the the struggle of our life is that we want to create our own purpose now, we make it sound nice, we, we give it a shiny look, right? But it's really our purpose underneath that. And so we create these false purposes, and I would, I would just real quickly call out four of them. The first false purpose is self, that I build my life around me. Anybody know someone that maybe has built their life around themselves, Right? The person that races you to the next red light, probably, maybe, I don't, you know, that kind of thing. But that's the first false self, is we build our lives around ourselves. So, uh, some of us build our lives, or a second false self is that we build our lives around the world, others, people around us. We look at the thing around us. You know, um, there was this, why this came to mind this morning, I have no idea, but there was a, a, a brief moment where I, you know, as a child that I thought I'd, I probably could be some sort of artist or musician, maybe even a rapper. Um, this is way more embarrassing for my kids uh, than anyone else. But you know what? That was, that was a world's kind of idea and concept, definition. It wasn't what God would have for me, and I didn't pursue that there. As, a, as for years as a minister, we think, oh, someday I'm going to preach in front of hundreds and thousands of people all at once well you know what the lord wants to do that great if he doesn't great that can be a false self in seminary i was amazed by the the guys that i was in class with that seemed like god had given them a very detailed roadmap to their life they would go to this church they'd spend five years there and then they would go to the next church where they would then be senior pastor uh some and, and then the next one after them pretty soon they'd be at a at a big broad huge church doing conferences and telling everyone else how to be a minister. I'm like, man, that's amazing. It's especially amazing how each church is bigger than the next. And it just gets bigger and bigger. I'm like, God just kind of told me to keep going forward. Take one step at a time. Everything else is kind of misty and foggy out there from that. But he reveals it as he goes. But the reality is sometimes purpose, we define it in world's terms instead of God's terms. That's a false purpose. Another false purpose for us is circumstances. So you've got self, you've got world, you've got circumstances. 
How many of you struggle with defining whether or not you're, you're satisfied, happy, or doing great in life based on the circumstances around you? What house you're in, what car you're in, where you live, what you're doing, what your job title is, what somebody thinks about you, whether or not you're, you're sick or not sick or something like that. That's a false purpose. The fourth one that I want to share with you is typically the one that tends to stick a little bit more towards people. It's a little bit more of a struggle. See, sometimes we can even create a false purpose of religion. We lose sight of the relationship with God while we're doing things for God because we think that's what's going to keep God happy. Well, here's, let me, let me let you in on it. This is free. It's not actually in the notes. God's already happy with you. Do you know why God's happy with you? Because he bought you with his son. And when he looks at you, when you've trusted Jesus in faith, accepted grace through him, when he looks at you, he sees his son. Because his righteousness has been laid on top of you. God is happy with you, but not because of what you're doing. Because he gave his son for you, and he's declared that. So God is the author of purpose. When you lay that down, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we actually do that and, and become a part of that purpose? Well, this is where, so first we see, therefore, because of his mercy, because of gospel in long form, which is, which is Romans 1 through 11, it's the gospel explained out in 11 chapters uh, in, in a glorious way. And the second thing, we, f- we find out here, when we do this, our response is God wants all of you, every bit of you. Easier said than done. I wish I could tell you that there's an easy uh, three-step program out there that will suddenly teach you how to give every part of you uh, to God. But he says he, his requirement, his ask back of you for what he did for you in the cross with his own son is that he just wants all of you. He wants you. In Luke chapter 9, uh, Jesus, in response uh, to the disciples, and everything, he said, therefore, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. See, Paul writes in Romans 1 and 2, Romans 12, 1 and 2, to present ourselves as a living sacrifice and that's actually that's like jumbo shrimp right because if you're they don't seem to work together they shouldn't work together right how can you be a sacrifice that's living the very nature of a sacrifice is that there is no longer life there it's no longer part of that but Paul says offer yourself give yourself as a living sacrifice God wants all of you and by the way the little part inside of your life that you think you've sectioned off and you've hidden from God in your heart that thing that you struggle with that thing that you think about the the frustration or that is that you think you've managed to hide from the entire world and God all at the same time you're fooling yourself God sees it all in the glorious thing that Paul tells us in Romans 1 through 11 like those those chapters is that God sees the greatest ugliness of your heart and he still gave his son for you he still came even though you were a sinner christ died for you that's what that means god wants all of you 
So offer yourself as a living sacrifice to him. So how does that work itself out? He said, um, when Jesus said, take up your cross or, or deny yourself, first off, if, to give all of to be a living sacrifice, you have to give up your right to self-rule. Yes, that's easier said than done. I've already said that. But that's the challenge of the Christian life. That's what we're learning. That's why the moment you got saved, you didn't disappear from this earth. Because there's still work to do. God's still doing something with you. You're still laying that down at the cross, letting him change and work on you. He wants all of you. Every bit of you. So you have to give that over to him. Um, the sacrifice, and it's an ongoing thing. Back in Luke, he said, take up your cross daily, identify with him. Each day you get up, you have to present yourself as a living sacrifice, laying yourself over to God. How, what do you want to do with me? How do you want to use me today? What does that look like day to day? I, I, here's my challenge to you. The, the world does not need more ministers. That's a bit of a bold statement considering God's basically used me as one most all of my life. But I know a lot of them. I, I know a lot of people. I don't know that the world needs more ministers. What the world does need is an accountant who's willing to follow Christ in his or her daily life. See, living sacrifice in reality is not who you are in here on Sunday mornings. It's not who you are in here in Sunday school after this, which I sure hope every one of you are going to go. If you don't, you should. Uh, that's, that's where all the rubber meets the road in, in church is when you get in those smaller groups with each other and you walk through life together. Uh, that's, again, a side note, uh, promotion for that's free uh, on that. I, I'm a big believer in that. Listen, the Christian life is lived out Monday to Saturday when what, what Jesus did for you is played out in how you live your life. Most of us are probably pretty good at being a Christian in here on Sunday morning. How good are you in the workplace on Wednesday afternoon? Where is Jesus in that moment? How are you laying down your right to self-rule in the middle of a work day? I sometimes, I, I joke a lot with people, I, um, when you get to the afternoon late in the week, so Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon, after everything's been going on, I start to lose my filter. Like my, my brain starts trying to, because imagine the things I say right here, right now, just imagine if my brain didn't have its filter on, all right? So by Friday afternoon, if you have a meeting with me, you, I can be all over the map because my filter's starting to go, but it just means a little extra work. Give that over to God. The world needs accountants, needs mortgage people, it, it needs teachers, it needs um, business people, it needs uh, cashiers. Walmart could really use more cashiers. <laughs> it needs <laughs> it needs insurance people who instead of living a life on false purpose is living out their purpose from God because God is the author of purpose. God wants all of you, everything laid over. The world doesn't need just another somebody doing something. The world needs somebody doing something to glorify God. Monday through Saturday, how does your life picture the cross and what Jesus has done for you? Um, 
So what if, that's the final, what if you approached your Monday through Saturday life um, like you approached your Sunday morning? Let me ask that again, and we're just, we'll, we'll move on from there. What, is, what if you approach your Monday through Saturday life the way that you approach your Sunday morning? How you act, where your focus is, what's going on. Again, I, through, through the years in ministry, I would meet people that got told that they uh, did good teaching a lesson on a Sunday morning, so they must, God must be calling them into ministry. And you know what my typical first response to that person was? God's not calling you into ministry. God needs you where you are, living out life in front of those people, experiencing the joy of Christ through living out your purpose. So the third and final thing, so, so God is the author of purpose. God wants all of you, when we look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, and the, the third thing and final thing is verse 2, God pursues a transformation, not conformation. I need to stress the four, right? Because if we change the O to the I, it's an entirely different meaning in there. But God pursues transformation, not conformation. God doesn't want you to be like everybody else. This is why I point out a whole world of me's is not going to be any fun at all. We'll never do anything. We'll never go anywhere. We'll never leave the house. It'll be, it'll be fantastic. But nobody will ever, ever get to know each other. My wife says I could live in a cave. I kind of actually believer sometimes you know um, but that's me but because of the glory of God I know that he's able to work through me in me God pursues transformation not conformation in the original language in verse 2 when it says but be transformed by the renewing of your mind do not conform any longer the the words there the word for conform is the idea of of, of looking like or putting a mask on making yourself seem or appear like the world around you in a in a Greek and Roman culture, remember when they did theater, they would put a mask on their face, which is where we get our word hypocrite, by the way. So when Paul writes, don't conform any longer, don't try to look like the world anymore. God pursues transformation. The word in the original language there is where we get our word metamorphosis, a complete internal change, caterpillar to butterfly. That's what God pursues with us. And so that's what God is after when he talks about us presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. When we live and pursue his purpose, he transforms us from the inside out. I'd love to tell you that that's a short, sweet, simple, easy process. But you remember that original picture of the potter and the clay? Sometimes you have to break down the lump of clay like you've, you've just about got it in the bowl and suddenly, oh wait, this is, it's, not, it's, not, it's too, too weak over here. And it breaks, and God rebuilds. That's, that's transformation. That's God working and moving. Um, in its truest form, that living sacrifice, in the truest form of it all, that's our act of worship, daily worship of God in following him. And so I just want to challenge you as we, as we wrap all of this up, um, the end result of trusting God for your purpose, of letting God have all of you, letting go of your, your right to self-rule, and understanding that God's pursuing transformation in you, which is a lifelong process, not an immediate process. The end result of that is in time, you gain the wisdom, the discernment, the ability to identify what God's will actually is, what his next step is. See, I love, I just don't 
believe, and this is somewhat of me, I just don't believe God's going to give you a map that tells you everything that's going to happen between now and the end. What God's asking you to do is trust him for the next step. And seeing the next step is a whole lot harder when your purpose is defined by one of the false purposes in life. But when you trust Christ fully and you give your life over to him, then you truly see God's good, pleasing, acceptable, perfect will in front of your life. And here in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about what some of those things look like, how that plays out uh, as we continue on. So I'm going to pray for us. Uh, I'm going to hand it back over to Mark and the team. Thank you guys so much uh, for letting me share with you. Father, I thank you. Uh, and Lord, in, in here right now, reality pretty much tells us, Lord, that there's someone who's not trusted you, who's not really following you. So Lord, I pray that you would move and work in their lives. Lord, help us where we are not trusting you with who we are. Lord, help us to see that, to, to abandon that self-rule, Lord, to give up that false purpose, Lord, and take up our cross each day. Lord, let us live our lives Monday to Saturday. Let us approach them with a narrative that you love us, that you want to use us where we are to glorify you, to make a difference, to impact the world around us. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.